Hi, welcome to Heartland Startups. I'm your host, Johnny Whitfield. In tonight's episode, I will be talking with the co-founders of Ghost Browser. We got Larry and Kat Kokoschka. Um, it's a great talk. I think you're really going to like it. You're going to learn a lot about um, a new browser and a new style of browser that improves productivity, especially if you are a social media manager, web developer, designer, um, a tech professional. Uh, you're going to find this uh, an incredibly useful tool to increase productivity. And, uh, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this talk. You're going to learn about Ghost Browser, learn about well what it's like. I mean, Larry and Kat are uh, married, so if you are thinking about starting a uh, company with your spouse, this could be a very valuable podcast for you. Um, I really enjoyed talking with them. I learned a lot from them, and hopefully you get the same. So without further ado... Here's the interview with Ghost Browser. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Heartland Startups. Today our special guests are the co-founders of Ghost Browser. Hi, Hello. thanks for having us. Thanks Johnny, we're really happy to be here. Absolutely, so glad to have you Larry and Kat. Um, I've been really impressed with uh, the Ghost Browser so far, I've been using it uh, since I found it on Product Hunt. Um, a couple months ago, and and it's been amazing, and I and I'm really glad that that y'all are um, having this this chat with me, and uh, so so people can uh, find out more about about your product. Great, thanks. Well, we're really happy to be on the podcast, and uh, even happier that you've been using Ghost. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, everybody obviously uses uses browsers, and but most people think you know just. Chrome, Safari, or Firefox. Hopefully, nobody's really still using IE, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're so, out there. Yeah, there's a few still out there. Um, so, what what makes Ghost Browser unique? What makes it stand out? Well, I think you know, I I actually went through a bit of a life cycle with. Um, I was a huge Firefox fan, and then about a year into Chrome, um, I really got into Chrome um, when they got a lot of kinks worked out and and I loved it. But, you know, after a while and after spending so many hours uh, building uh, websites that had multiple user levels and uh, doing QA for them as well and creating content, uh, specialized content for different user levels, doing like membership sites and things like that, I just, I realized how much time and focus I was wasting um, during, over the course of the day doing things like logging in and out and making one small change and wanting to make sure that it that it came out right and having to log in and out of my admin accounts and all that. So, um, you know, and I had some tricks with multiple monitors and multiple browsers, but it just wasn't efficient. So, um, you know, after banging my head on this uh, a million times, I, I just realized that there, you know, there definitely had to be a better way. So, um, so we really, uh, the idea with Ghost Browser is not just this, concept of multi-session browsing, um, you know, where you can log in. So each, every time you open a tab, this is the basic functionality. Every time you open a tab in Ghost Browser, it can have its own isolated cookie jar. So that means that you can log into any website multiple times all in one browser window. So um, it's nice because it lets you zoom through, um, zoom through the tasks that you're 
that you're doing every day. Um, um, you know, but, but the key is, it's not just, I mean, that's the basic functionality, but really we wanted to build this browser with productivity in, in mind from, from the ground floor. So, um, you know, in addition to that, we have some things coming down the pipe, which we could probably talk about later um, that we're going to be doing. But basically, we wanted to have a browser that works for you and helps you be more productive in the tasks that you do every day. That's really cool. Uh, you know, and that's something that I've experienced and loved so far uh, using it. And it's uh, amazing that I, nobody had seemed to have thought of that yet. Um, so congratulations on, on figuring that out. And, and it's the, the typical, or what should be, I guess, the typical entrepreneur uh, way, finding a problem that you have and solving it. And then you're not the only one who has that problem. So you're, right. you're solving it for a large market. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I mean, productivity is obviously, you know, like a big buzzword for the past couple of years. Um, and, and people are always trying to improve productivity and, and anything that saves them time is going to be uh, an incredibly valuable tool. And, and, and with ghost browser and the sessions and everything, I think it's going to be a um, huge boost in productivity. Um, for for a lot of people, which is is really really cool. Yep, yep, yep. We certainly hope so. Um, you know, and we obviously we have a couple of um, use cases. In, in my case, I was doing a lot of QA. Sure. Um, Cat does a lot of social media management, and um, you know, with us having multiple properties for a corporate website, maybe she should talk about this. But um, you know, there are definitely a lot of use cases. In my case, it's Dev and QA, but. Right. You know, there's definitely a social media aspect to it, too. Kat, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, I guess, you know, what I find so helpful about Ghost Browser is um, we all know about TweetDeck, right? It lets you be signed into multiple accounts and have these channels set up. But what Ghost Browser does is instead of engaging with your followers um, through sort of, a, you know, an alternate platform, Ghost Browser is kind of like a tweet deck for all accounts across the web. So, you know, I hated having to sign in and out of all of my accounts to interact with users. Of course, there's some crossover between my personal brand and the Ghost Browser brand. And it's just really nice to have all those open at the same time. Um, and specifically, you know, clicking links within specific cookie jars, right? So when I want to follow certain users in both Ghost Browser and my personal account, um, I can open links within specific cookie jars to follow users and to stay within that persona. So from the perspective of managing multiple Twitter accounts, and I manage five, but it's not just Twitter, it's Facebook, it's Google+, LinkedIn, YouTube, all of that. So it just gives me the power to, you know, be within the native experience um, throughout uh, all of the social engagements that I have going on um, at the same time. And like I say, no, nothing beats the native experience of using, um, you know, any social platform. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, of course, publishing platforms that are great. Our favorite is Buffer. But, you know, right. when engaging with people, nothing beats the native platform. So that's why I love using Ghost for social. Absolutely. That's really cool. And so, it, you know, solved a lot of, of your own pain as well. Um, Absolutely. And that's that is super valuable tool. I mean, especially if you have five accounts. I mean, 
Yeah, having to <laughs> jump back and forth on different browsers for that, uh, that yeah. had to be a huge time suck. Absolutely. Just, uh, can be a bit crushing. Totally. Um, and we hear from users that say, you know, I manage 30 Instagram accounts, you know, so <laughs> it's, that's a lot. it's, it is a lot. And I'm kind of like, wow, what would you need to do that for? But yeah. Hey, I mean, the fact that they just find their work to be going so much faster because of this tool, just, you know, we're really glad that people are finding that value and getting done, you know, with whatever they're doing so much faster so they can get out and do other things. Absolutely. Live their, live life. You know? Exactly. Be more productive for a short period of time so that you can go out and enjoy the rest of life. You got it. Yeah, that is awesome. So that's an added benefit. You should sell that as, as Ghost Browser. <laughs> like, enjoy life, <laughs> Ghost Browser, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a good idea, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's actually on the docket. That's, I, I think that's definitely part of our messaging. Um, you know, that's definitely an important aspect and one of the reasons why we wanted uh, to get it done. I've always been sort of a, a systems guy and a um, get done what you need to get done and, and get out of there uh, kind of guy. So, um, you know, with Ghost Browser and with uh, a lot of our other projects um, that we've done, that's sort of been one of the focuses. So, Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so we, we've talked a, l a little bit about um, who needs the browser, you know, like your, your social media managers, your web developers, QA, all of those. How, what, what is the, the game plan to get those people onto Ghost Browser and off of the, the browsers that they're currently using? Uh, well, that's a good question um, it, because, you know, it's obviously a huge challenge. Um, the browser is something, you know, it, it's almost like uh, your favorite baseball team. You're sure. very loyal to it, and you're not going to get me to start rooting for the Red Sox anytime soon. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, for me to, for me to have to, um, you know, get people to give up something that they love and use so much every day is, is definitely a challenge. Um, but I think, you know, we're, um, we focused a, quite a bit in the beginning on, um, on beta type sites. So beta, we, mm -hmm. the first um, advertising that we ever took out was, I think we spent 120 bucks or something like that yeah. for a beta list listing. And um, really it was 120 of the best dollars I've ever spent because awesome. from there somebody picked it up. And, and we didn't really get a ton, I'll be honest, a ton of traffic from beta list itself. But the important thing is that it um, it got picked up on Product Hunt um, right. a couple days later, and then all of a sudden it was all over the place, and we were yeah. getting blog mentions all over the world. Um, you know, we awesome. were we definitely spent a lot of time in Google Translate. So, so I think that you know starting with um, those early adopter types is definitely a good way to get the word out because just from that one simple ad that we took out, all of a sudden we had people who were um, early adopters and the type that are willing to talk about cool products that they find. So all these blog posts that we um, didn't even solicit, they just showed up. Um, you know, we were doing, we have Google Alerts set up and we were just seeing this stuff from all over the world. So, <clears throat> so um, you know, I think that's a really important part of it because word of mouth is and having other people talk about your product for you is obviously huge. Um, so, you know, that's definitely a, been a key part of the strategy. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're going to choose between Ghost and Chrome, 
you're going to, you're, it's ghost is not for the average everyday user. It's for right. technology professionals. Yeah. And I think that technology professionals can see the value of their time because so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them get paid by the hour. So sure. they know that if they can deliver projects, um, cheaper, they can get more customers. If they can save their customers some money, they're going to be happier with the product. And, you know, it's all about getting in under budget and things like that. So absolutely. Yeah. So, and, you know, yeah, go ahead. And with the, um, you know, people spreading the word, I mean, people spreading the word online is <laughs> your target audience is like social media managers and, and those people who are using all this stuff all the time. Then they can blast it out to their thirty different channels, like like the person that Cat knows, like that they they got thirty different channels. They the love Ghost Browser and they blast it out. Those are the influencers you've already got, and you know, and then it'll grow. Uh, we would think a lot a lot quicker, which is awesome. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, having social media managers as your customers is definitely definitely an advantage. We've had products before where we didn't even have social media pages set up because we knew that nobody in that niche even used social media at all. So you kind of lose the advantage of that. But yeah, but, but that's nice. I mean, once in a while we'll, we'll put something out and then all of a sudden we'll have, you know, 30, 40 retweets, whatever. So, um, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's really awesome. nice. Yeah. And a good point, Johnny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I've read some, some of your blog stuff and, and obviously we've, we've talked a little bit. Um, you're, you're also having a, it's like a freemium service and as far as I know this is like a, a new thing like charging for a browser uh, having a paid browser um, so how do you go about convincing people that to start paying for something that they've always had for free right okay so again that's about um, and, and again that's if not only are we trying to get them to stop using their normal browser we're asking them to pay to do it too so, right yeah so it's kind of a double whammy um, but again, you know, I think that when you look at the, um, the value and the time saved, um, you know, that's, that's really important. But really, th this starts with, um, you know, with sort of the approach that we took to building the browser. Remember, it's a productivity browser. So the point is that we want to help you get through your work as quickly as possible so you can get on with your day and do the things that really matter in life. So if we're stuffing your browser with ads, or if we're tracking everything you do so that we can serve you um, custom ads all over every website you ever see, and that's how we monetize, then it kind of flies in the face of our primary goal, which is productivity. So, right. um, so we had a choice. You know, we, there are a couple of ways we can monetize a browser. One is through um, search. One is through ads. One is through asking people to, to pay. So yeah. for us, it was really important that because we're focused on productivity that we wanted to be beholden to our customers only and we wanted our customers to be our users the people who were using the browser right. not not the advertisers who were trying to get their attention love that so yeah so that's sort of where we're going you know at this point we you know we're still working on uh pricing um yeah. It's always a tough thing, and sure. we're, we'll probably spend a little bit more time doing it. But I think for the amount of money that we're asking, it's it's a pretty small amount when you compare it to other productivity tools that you use. Sure. So, um, but also, okay. I mean, they got to compare it to like how many hours they're saving and what their billable rate is too. You know right. What I mean, it, like if exactly. they're charging, 
80, 100 bucks an hour, and this saves them a few hours a week. I mean, how much is that really worth? You know? Yeah, right, right. And even like, especially like in the SEO field, people see an immediate return. You know, you you can right. establish this these multiple uh, user level user footprints, and um, you know that's going to turn into money right away. So yeah, so there's so there's definitely it's it's interesting. Uh, people definitely are like, whoa, I'm not paying for a browser, right. um, but at the same time, I think that there's value in, I mean, I, we pay, I'm trying to think, we pay for Help Scout, we pay for Trello, we pay mm -hmm. for, I mean, we have so many productivity tools that we pay for. Sure. Um, so I think if part of our job here is um, sort of changing the mentality, even though Ghost is a browser, getting people to think of it as a productivity tool rather than a browser. So. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie, it's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a challenge. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think, you know, that's, that's something that it sounds like y'all are prepared to overcome. Um, I'm, you've, you've got a great tool and you know how to, how to market it. And it, it's really just getting that awareness. And I think the message is, is pretty clear. And the, um, the, the value of the product is, is, is built right in. So uh, that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, I read something uh, that, that, I believe it was on your blog, um, pop-up notifications and how th they're so trendy now. Like every website that I go to is like, hey, can we give you desktop notifications? Yeah. And I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want that. Uh, I just visited your website the first time. Um, so what, what's y'all's take on, uh, on the rise of the, the pop-up notifications and, and how that correlates with productivity? Okay. Well, it's interesting, and a lot of research has actually been done. It, it, it's amazing to me how much research has been done specifically on computer pop-up notifications and how they affect um, productivity. There's a whole field of research called distraction science, and there are several papers that have come out of that field that specifically look at these notifications. And the conclusion of all of them is that they're really bad. <laughs> Yet, like, as you mentioned, we're seeing them all over the place now. So, you know, and that's, that's one of the things. So with distractions like that, so part of productivity is making sure that you can stay focused. Every time you get distracted, even if it's just for a couple of seconds, it can increase the um, rate of errors that you make. Um, it can slow down your work. And it can also... Some research shows that it even affects your relationships with people around you. So, wow, that's and, and, real big. Yeah, right. So, and basically, I think I think what that means is like you're trying to do something, somebody bugs you, and you're mm -hmm. like, "Dude, leave me alone," you know? Right. Like that. I think that's how that plays out. Um, but anyway, so with the pop-up notifications, it's like everybody's trying to get your attention. So here we have this great idea to throw stuff up in your face in the browser. And to be honest, we could probably monetize that way of course. in a lot of ways. But yeah. again, it's not very productive because as soon as, it, as soon as your attention gets taken away, it takes you a long time to recover. Yeah, I read that it back. was like 25 minutes or something. To... Yeah, yep. And, and I've seen that as well. Um, I've seen that number as well. I'm kind of curious what exactly the distraction is. But, yeah, sure. But, um, but you know, you also... There are also, there's also such a thing as a good distraction. So if I am working on a problem with, uh, say, maybe getting some dynamic content to show, mm 
and I get a chat message from one of my developers about that same topic. That kind of a distraction can actually be helpful. So sure. we have to be careful to not say that all distractions are bad, but the research has shown that these pop-up notifications randomly showing up are totally bad. <laughs> so, yeah. so, and when we talk about um, building a productivity browser, it's not just about multiple sessions, but one of the things that we have in our feature list is also, okay, how can we control this uh, notification issue? Mm -hmm. And that's the nice thing about um, having the whole browser rather than just an extension, is that we have the ability to, um, to really control the whole experience. So we've got some things in the work to try to do something about that notification problem too. Um, whether or not people will want to control them, who knows. Sure. But, um, but having the option is wanna... certainly better exactly. than not. Exactly. Very cool. Um, so, you know, I've been talking to, to people. I'll mention Ghost Browser. And obviously now that y'all are on the podcast with me, I've been telling everybody. Um, and some people, like their first um, thought is like, oh, so is that like a, a privacy thing where it's like, you know, I can't. They're not tracking me and stuff. Um, and with privacy becoming a huge concern, I mean, obviously that's, all, that's something that a lot of people are going to think about. Um, yeah. Like, how does all of the privacy stuff um, affect Ghost Browser and uh, like your current business and, and the plans for the future as well? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, well, that's a really good question. So, um, and there actually is, is a little bit of a history. So I'll, I'll sort of give you the... Um, ghost and privacy answer, and then I'll, I'll give you sort of the history, which includes the future, um, the, the sort of trail there. Awesome. So, it's, like, it's like a movie, non-linear non storytelling, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that, something like that. Uh, so, so with ghost, basically, first, the, the name that we chose, we chose the name ghost, not because we wanted you to think that nobody would be able to see you. We didn't originally design this as a privacy browser. Um, the ghost as a verb means to glide smoothly and effortlessly, which is sort of what we were thinking, you know, with productivity. Very cool. Um, yeah, so, but <laughs> unfortunately, we didn't do a very good job of getting that message across because we got, um, at one point, we had, God, I don't know, Kat, did we get, we got like 15,000 downloads in like two weeks, and it seemed like... So everybody was looking for a privacy browser. So with Ghost, we're not giving you complete privacy in the sense that nobody would ever be able to track you. But if you open a new uh, session tab, then Google and Facebook can't see what you're doing there. So we have some people who like to use Ghost for privacy, and they'll have Facebook and um, and Google and other sites that might be doing tracking open and log in in one session, but then they'll have, um, they'll do their other work in, a, in another session. So in that way, each session is sort of like incognito mode. Um, right. So it does provide some privacy, but you still have an IP address. Um, and actually, one of the things that we're going to be releasing probably in the next week or two is um, an industry-first feature. Uh, we don't have any for it yet. If you have any ideas, please tell us. But in each each tab, you'll be able to assign a different IP address. 
Wow. So if you have six proxies, yeah. uh, you can set them all to every time you open a new session, it will use a new proxy. So um, it's really, really cool. yeah, so it's really going to allow you to create separate identities in one browser window, um, which yeah. is not possible that I know of uh, at this point. So, yeah. okay, so so getting back to privacy. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a little tangential. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we had all these people who were looking for a privacy solution. Yeah. And um, it, in terms of the sort of the history of that, when we, we got flooded with all of these people who, who wanted this, and, and it did two things. One, it made us realize that there was a second use um, for the productivity browser, but it also got us off track quite a bit. Um, and that's, you know, if you're, for people who are listening to your podcast, thinking about, um, you know, doing a startup or in the middle of doing a startup, it's certainly one of the things that, um, you know, I definitely over 15 years have heard a lot of people say it, and I've said it to people, stay focused. <laughs> so, yeah. But, That's... you know, we, we definitely got a little distracted uh, with the privacy thing. So, but the problem is it turns out that people who wanted the browser for privacy didn't really want to pay for it. So uh -huh. it gets us to a certain point, you know, it's great to have, those users and it's also good to be able to provide a solution because privacy in for those of you who are listening from the states i mean privacy not having facebook track you not having google track you that's one thing but there are a lot of countries in the world where your governments are tracking you mm. and where governments are using technology to find and unfortunately make people disappear right so, um, you know, and I can't guarantee that we can provide that level of sort of um, privacy when you're browsing, but, um, you know, with, with the right combination of ghosts and other tools, I think yeah. that that sort of can be done. So, um, so it was important to us, and that's really one of the reasons why we decided to go freemium, because we knew that if we left this sort of, this, uh, this free version where you could help create um, private finger, uh, footprints on the internet that yeah. people would use it. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's something that we just felt was the right thing to do. So. Very cool. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I think with the, with the privacy thing, you want to win, win the privacy crowd completely. If you could get uh, Edward Snowden to be your spokesperson, I think that would probably, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like probably it. be a big hit. Uh, you know, and if he's listening, uh, you should download Ghost Browser, Mr. <laughs> Snowden. Um, <laughs> I, so. I kind of have a feeling he's got some tools that nobody's ever heard of. That's, yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty advanced. I think he can handle it, but uh, yeah, for sure. he would still be a great yeah. spokesperson. So uh, that would <laughs> I, I like where you're going with that, Tony. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, change, changing gears a little bit, um, y'all are in Denver. Um, we are. It's you know when when people think about uh, tech startups, they generally think obviously Silicon Valley, New York, uh, maybe LA. There, and that's another reason why I'm doing this this podcast, Heartland Startups, is is giving some exposure to companies that aren't there where they have all of those resources within walking distance. Um, uh -huh. How did, how did you pick Denver, and uh, what's, what's the tech scene like there for, for anybody who may be thinking about going 
uh, somewhere different for with their startup? Well, uh, Denver is where we live, um, you know, and so I think for for me at least, and and I'm pretty sure for Cat as well, we didn't really pick Denver for work or with the idea of doing a startup. Um, you know, I've I've lived all over the world. Kat and I spent a few months traveling. Um, I've spent five years living in other countries, and I've never been really prevented from doing what I need to do. Um, although it, you know, it is nice being in a in a startup city like Denver, especially when it's up and coming, because we still we're kind of it's kind of fading out, but it's quite a bit more affordable, um, at right. least at the at least at the moment. And that um, helps check- when you're bootstrapping big time. It does for sure. It does for sure. I mean, when I um, I did a startup in New York, probably I lived in New York and was this startup was around 2004, I think, that I tried doing it, and it was just a completely different story. And New York at that time actually was not a good place for startups. Um, it's wow. so focused on uh, finance and cash oh, and sure. banking and stuff that it actually you know everybody that I knew there that knew anything was telling me to leave New York. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to do that. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, Denver's, Denver's really cool. It's, it's cheap. It's such a good, um, it's just a good place with a lot of good people. Um, I've lived on um, both coasts and, you know, it's, and, and I've, I enjoy them both, but Denver's just a really cool laid back place, lots of stuff to do. And um, and it's it's pretty affordable right now too. So uh, you know, for what we what we're paying in rent now, I probably would have gotten a desk in New York. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. Right, and that, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and for sure. I I visited Denver a couple of times, and it, it the people were very friendly, and and that yeah. makes a huge impact on like your just enjoyment of the place too. And yeah. And I mean, happiness tends to correlate to productivity as well. Um, and so, if you're happy where you are, you're going to be more productive. And if you're happy and using Ghost Browser, you're going to be crazy productive. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good point, though. I mean, because it's all about lifestyle design, right? And exactly. If you live in a place that you love and you're doing your job, you're gonna, you're just going to be happier. And and you know, I'm not really at this point in my life. I don't know. Perhaps I have thought it in the past, but I've never really lived somewhere because of work. You know, I've right. always wanted to live there because that's where I wanted to live, and then I figure out how to do work. Yeah, um, on top of that. And I would just jump in and say about Denver too that you know, although Denver isn't known for startups, um, quite like you know towns like San Francisco, there's very much a startup uh, feel in Denver. You know, we've got. Coors, which started here as a small little brewery, you know, New Belgium started here, Chipotle started here, and there are definitely small businesses um, that are really gaining some traction, and I just noticed that people in Colorado are so, so supportive of small local businesses, and it's just really inspiring to see people coming out to support local business owners instead of shopping at big box companies. Um, and that's just something that goes hand in hand with the kind of lifestyle that people live here and why people move here in the first place, right? To 
kind of escape, you know, the cookie cutter feel mm -hmm. that you get in a lot of other towns and cities uh, across the U.S. So I think it's really just kind of ingrained in the people in Denver that, you know, they, they want to shop local, they want to be adventurous, they want to have good work-life balance, and, you know, they're really willing to support small local businesses. So, you know, although we live here for other reasons, I think that's, you know, what makes Denver a great place for a startup as well. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, and th that kind of supportive environment you really can't find everywhere. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of places where it's it's pretty cutthroat, and uh, everybody kind of has a as a, a view as like us or them, you know. And totally. I feel like that's what it would be like in San Francisco. I mean, I don't know. I'm not there, but it right. feels like kind of a dog eat dog town. Yeah, a and a much more expensive one. So right, they, they exactly. all know, like, uh, we might not be able to make rent this month, so we have to kill everybody in our bath. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Whereas in Denver, everybody's having a Coors or a New Belgium and uh, watching the Rockies and, and you know having a good time and helping, exactly. helping each other out. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, cool. Coors, Coors is definitely brewed here. I'm not sure if that's one of the more popular beers. There's, there sure. are a lot of a lot of small craft breweries here. Absolutely. That um, I think you know people tend to focus on a little more. But yeah, and it's um, it's a good craft brew town. So if uh, you know totally. if you're into that, then then that's a great place to be. Which I find totally. funny is like, because we talked a little bit about this, um, how it's a, it's a health, a very health conscious, health focused town, uh, but there's a lot of beer drinking. So it's like... <laughs> a lot about, of beer drinking and pot smoking. Oh, two of my favorite things. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all about balance, Johnny. <laughs> exactly. So I guess like everybody's like being really healthy so that they can go enjoy the marijuana and beers at the end of the day, right? You got, so. it. You, got <laughs> it. you got it. So they need to be more productive and get Ghost Browser so that they can drink more beers at the end of the day. <laughs> That's yeah. our next marketing campaign right I'm there. I'm just coming up with all these great ones for you. Just, <laughs> this, this is awesome. We should do these jam sessions more often. We'll totally. come up with a ton of them. Yeah, we, uh, uh, you better be careful. We might try to steal you away from Air 5. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I just I just won't let Jeremy listen to to the podcast this time. There so, you go. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you you talked about lifestyle design um, and something something I thought that was really interesting that we talked about last time we talked. Um, you Tim Ferriss. Uh, you know we talked about how much we both really admire Tim and and all of uh, the stuff that he's done and, and accomplished. And um, tell me tell us tell him a little bit about. Uh, how, you know, the four-hour work week, while we may not have ever achieved just working four hours in a week um, and being so supremely productive that that was enough, um, <laughs> how that sort of like, uh, that, that book and that mentality uh, has affected you and, and the way that y'all um, operate. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I picked that book up about two years ago and thumbed through it. And I, as I was reading, as I was thumbing through it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much this has affected, like, my entire life, basically. Um, wow. Because I had originally read it, like, 15 years ago. Right. And as I was reading it, I was like, yep, 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 <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's the way to do it. So, um, so, you know, after, pretty soon after reading that, um, you know, that's where I, I, I mean, the, the influence has been so great. He has such a unique way of thinking about things. And, you know, it's, it's basically productivity on steroids. 
even though I think that the four-hour work week itself is a myth. And not because you can't do it, but because most people just want to be occupied. Sure. If you, you know, if you become too, um, you know, and I could stagnant, you know, try to become a judo champion or something like that. Sure. <laughs> I do all of the things that Tim did. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, he keeps doing so much. There's not, you know, you got to think of creative ways to, to, to outcool him, I guess. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I think when I, when I look back, you know, pretty soon after I read that book, I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I want to do. And, at the time I was teaching and I had become um, you know, just a little disappointed with what that life was, was like. And, um, and when I realized, when I was talking to some people who were colleagues who were near retirement and they were mm-hmm. making $50,000, I was like, okay, that's not really what I want for my life. Um, I want to be, I want enough money to be able to enjoy it, to see things and see the world and, and travel and do the things that I want to do. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's when I sort of started dipping my toe in entrepreneurship, and um, that's the nice thing about having summers uh, off when you're teaching is you you have some time to experiment. But um, what I think what I what a lot of the things I've gotten from Tim Ferriss are, you know, I, I pretty much immediately started outsourcing. Um, I, and I think that's one thing that whether you're outsourcing abroad or locally or just, I mean, even within your own office, you can outsource, right? So I think one of the key components there is do what you uniquely can do and let other people do the other stuff because then that's when you're really, as an entrepreneur, um, getting full, taking full advantage of the value that you can provide. So so that's important, Um, you know, and I think just the way that he, um, he thinks about the, Sort of the eighty twenty rule of putting in, um, and I know the eighty twenty rule is not really this the Pareto principle, but sure. um, the way he applies it is the way he influenced me to apply it is how much effort are you going to put in to get things perfect, and is it really worth it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think for me the way that I talk about this with my team because I actually have a lot of really great developers. Uh, well, not a lot. I have a few. <laughs> right. Our team isn't that big, yeah. but the, the developers that we have, um, you know, we've been working with uh, most of them for four or five years um, at this point, awesome. and on on different products, and and they're just awesome. You build and, a relationship but, over that, and then that trust and everything, and you know how to delegate, right? Exactly. You know how to delegate, and also you sort of know how to work together. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's um, that's true about great developers is that they're perfectionists <laughs> yep. by nature. So, mm-hmm. um, in order to get something like Ghost Browser that is as bug-free as it is, it requires a very special way of thinking about things, and it requires um, discipline. Um, and you know, it's. It, so our, our lead developer, Grigory, basically built most of it by himself from scratch, well, on top of Chromium. But yeah. um, to have it be as bug-free as it is, it, it's simply amazing. Yeah. So one of the things that happens, though, is you know, being a perfectionist, and, and Kat can talk about this too, being a perfectionist, you want everything to be exactly perfect. Right. Um, but it's never going to be like that. So <laughs> you're, you're never going to get anywhere if you try to make it that way. So. Yeah. So, so, you know, we like to try to make things that are sort of built to spill. 
um, okay. where you get it to a point where it's people see what it is, and then you know if if you need to throw it away, anything that you've polished it was a waste of time. So, right. so we definitely like to think think of things as being sort of built to spill, where it's where you you know you whatever you're creating you're willing to throw it away a couple of weeks later. So that's oh, that's always interesting when you're working with perfectionists and right. trying to move in a, uh, a venture forward. So, and Kat sort of went through something like that too with her uh, in her transition. Yeah, I, um, so I, I came from an industry where, you know, it was very tech focused and, you know, very code focused and um, basically digital marketing for the financial brokerage industry. Um, so very different, but it was on the technical side and you had to be kind of a perfectionist um, in that role in order to do the job well, I mean, you know, entering ad tags, making one mistake and how you enter them and the whole campaign is, you know, kind of botched. So I came from a very perfectionist mindset in my previous job. And when I started working with Larry, he spent, I don't know, maybe the first two months yelling at me six. not to be six months. He said, <laughs> the first six months yelling at me, hey, Kat, we don't have time for perfectionism. You know, I, I mean, yeah. it's just it's just a waste of time. We just don't have time for that. And I had to make done is better than perfect my Absolutely. mantra, which is really hard for me. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I used to be an art teacher, so I have kind of that perfectionist artist side to me as well. And just, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a shift for me to basically say, you know, done is better than perfect. This is good enough. Let's release it and see what happens. And it's it's been a shift. So you know, putting, um, just applying that like non-perfectionism and 80, 20 thought to, you know, even customer service. Right. I mean, like right. everything. It, it is a huge mental shift to go yeah. from that. Um, I, I know while I guess it was my own version of perfectionist, I used to be a, a very afraid to, to push something, uh, because of fear of failure. Um, and it's actually what uh, kept me from starting this podcast for so long. Um, totally. And, and it, I get you know, that too. It, it happens in all, all aspects of our lives, I think. A, a lot of us who, who think like that, you know, we don't want to push something out that isn't what we know that we're capable of or, you know, what's going to be seen as, as really great. And we don't want to disappoint. Um, but to to not just push it and just keep making it better um, has killed so many startups, so many companies, so many dreams, uh, just because they wouldn't um, just push it. Just yeah. be done, push it, and, and then just keep making it better with the feedback um, so that people can use the, the tool or service or product that, that you have and um, get that benefit for their life and then that will keep driving you to make it better too. Yeah, exactly. And something that Larry and I talk about a lot is the fail fast idea, right? Definitely. Like on a micro and a macro scale, try it on an idea. And if it doesn't work, you know, fail fast. This way you haven't spent a lot of time on it or, you right. know, fail fast as a learning tool, but fail fast with a startup, you know, it's, you know, uh, trying different ideas, seeing what works, and if it doesn't, don't be afraid to throw it away. And every yeah. failure is a learning experience, which 
you know, like you and so many other people, I, I have a really hard time with failure. And I think it's for me personally, more about who am I afraid to fail in front of, you know, right. more myself than anybody else. Cause yeah, I, that's something that I think all entrepreneurs deal with and something, you know, I've learned a lot about from Larry. He's just, he's not afraid to fail. That's <laughs> just, awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and while we're talking about it, this is a great segue. Um, What's it like running a company with your spouse? Like, there's got to be some challenges there. You knew that that question was coming, and I was saving it for the right moment. And and I think we're we're there. Um, there's because there's got to be some some real high highs and some some lows. So, uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges, and, and how did y'all y'all work through them? Um, it's a really interesting topic, um, and I'm going to actually let Kat go first because uh, sometimes I actually am afraid to fail. And uh, the answer to this question could be a huge failure if I'm not careful. So I'm going to let her lead on this one. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, it's interesting because she asked me that last night at dinner. She was like, so what do you, how would you describe what it's like? And, and you know, I think, I think in a lot of ways it's really hard to put to words, but Kat's pretty good with words. So let's give her a shot at it. Uh, thanks, Larry. <laughs> um, Good start, I just, right? you know, for us, it's provided so many great learning opportunities. Um, and ultimately, I think it makes our marriage stronger. You know, just from um, a really surface level perspective, Larry and I spent three months traveling the world. We went to Japan, Thailand, Greece, and Italy. And the fact that we work together and we, you know, have um, a digital business allowed us to work and travel at the same time. And that's just such an amazing experience. And then we just went to France and Spain and Portugal for about a month um, while we attended Web Summit. And, you know, the fact that we work together allows us to do that, which, you know, is such a luxury in itself. Um, you know, so that's something really special that working together allows us to do. And then, uh, you know, we do get to see each other, um, all the time, which goes back and forth, right? I mean, when we spend all day, uh, working together and then we're with each other 24 seven, we always tease each other. Like we probably should be sick of each other by now, Yeah. but you know, we're not, we're really lucky that that's we do enjoy spending this much time together. Yeah, that is a, a sign of a really healthy marriage that y'all haven't uh, tried to choke each other to death yet. Um, being in that <laughs> close of proximity constantly is um, yeah is impressive. Yeah, yeah, that that hasn't happened. But I think you know, for I think that a lot of especially these days, I mean, that never in my parents' generation that never happened. Sure. Um, yeah, maybe once in a like I know I remember when I was a kid. Uh, dad would own a business and mom would do the accounting. Like I had a couple of friends like that, but I think more and more these days that's happening where, where you do want to jump into a venture with somebody um, with either a spouse or a fiance or um, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But I think one of, if you're going to do that, one of the most important things that you need to do is keep a good sense of humor. (laughs) Because, you know, and yeah, (laughs) And I'm very lucky because I think Kat's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. So um, it's actually, you know, we, we have a lot of fun. And um, 
for the times that we need to focus, we have headphones. So right. as long as we, uh, you know, sort of respect the headphone rule, which Kat has trouble with sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's, I think it's just great. You just have to keep a sense of humor. And, you know, that's, and it's a good way to find out if you really like somebody, you know. And I think, who <clears throat> was it, uh, Bill Murray? Before we left for um, our little three-month jaunt, um, somebody sent us a, a Bill Murray meme that said something along the lines of, if you think you love somebody, go to the most remote place you can find, travel the world, and if you still like each other when you get back, get married. Yeah. <laughs> so, I believe and, it was get married at the airport. <laughs> oh, oh, right, get married at the airport, right. Yeah, we didn't do that, but it was pretty close. So. So, but I think working together is the same thing. It's like get into places, getting into places that are hard to get out of, and seeing if you can do it together. That's um, you know, that's definitely definitely a really a really yeah. cool thing to experience. So, I mean, that yeah. takes teamwork to the next level. But totally, and I think it's about you know like a lot of that was really sunshiny. But you know, if we're going to be totally honest, there are days where you know, it is hard, right? Mm -hmm. um, Larry has experience in a CEO role and, you know, running a startup for years. And, you know, I just had my one year um, anniversary, December 2nd with uh, working with Larry and, you know, Happy anniversary. Was a, thank, you, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> and, you know, he was more comfortable in that role and had a lot more experience. And so we decided that that was going to be the dynamic. He was running the ship and, you know, I was contributing where I could and, you know, there are days where we definitely disagree on strategies and, you know, how we should run the business. And, you know, the dynamic that we decided was that, you know, Larry is really the one who makes those choices. And I am, you know, a stubborn, stubborn, <laughs> you know, a hot-blooded Italian girl. And some days that's really hard for me to deal with, you know, him being the one that gets to have the final say. But ultimately, I think it's good for the business and good for the marriage to have strategies in place, you know, where we decide Larry's the one that ultimately makes the decisions and we don't talk about work past eight o'clock and, you know, having cool. an office that we can go to where there's literal brick and mortar separation between work um, and our relationship at home. So just having some strategies in place to deal with that, I think is, you know, good for the marriage and good for the business. Definitely. Very cool. I think that's a lot of good insight um, that that's, you know, somebody who uh, might be thinking about uh, jumping into a business with a spouse could, could really get a lot out of. So totally. thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for my last, uh, last two questions, um, it's going to be about the future. Um, so we're going to get into a little predictive psychic powers and, uh, and, and yeah, get to have a little fun with this. So, uh, where will Ghost, Ghost Browser be six months from now? And how about a year from now? Okay, well, that's a good question. Um, so, one of the things that we're, there, there are two things that we're working on right now. We feel like we've kind of gotten the, the basic uh, functionality of the browser down. So, and as we mentioned before, we have multiple use cases for the browser. So, um, on what we what we want to do is try to get a, a large enough user base for a very reasonable, almost no-brainer price to help support the 
um, the project, and then we're going to start knocking off niches one by one. So <clears throat> it's all we've sort of done this backwards. I think um, modern marketing advice is to start with a niche and grow from there, but we've sort of started with a base um, because we had so many niches that we could possibly address that it was hard to choose. We didn't know which one. And now that we've done a little bit of work, we know even less because it seems like between SEO and SMM and, and development and QA, mm -hmm. it's still a virtual tie. So um, what we're going to do is just now that we have a general, a basic product, we're going to start focusing on, on building out special niche-related um, tool sets. So for the SMM folks, we'll have um, tools that will make it easier for them to deal with their social media accounts. SEO will have a different set of tools. Uh, development will have a different set of tools still. So, so that's sort of where we're headed. So we hope that six months from now, um, GhostBrowser will be supporting itself so that we can put more and more resources into those highly specialized tools. And right. um, a year from now, hopefully, you know, we'll have packages for at least two of those um, niches ready to go. So, Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yep. Um, well, I mean, I think we're going to have to have another podcast in six months to a year and, and see how, how everything's going. Uh, do do like a, a little checkup, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And we'd love to check back in with you too, Johnny, because like you were saying, you know, it's, it's, it's a risk and, you know, we are, everybody, you know, we are constantly living in fear of failure and, you know, you specifically mentioned this podcast and it's, it's great to see you doing it um, and you're doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. you. Know, so that's awesome. So congratulations. And we're really looking forward to seeing where the podcast goes. I think it's a great concept. And as a, as a Denver startup who's not linked directly into the Bay Area uh, network right. where we go out to a bar and we might see somebody from TechCrunch. Um, yeah, you know it's really it's really helpful to get this kind of exposure because there are a lot of um, products beyond what happens in the Silicon Valley. So absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, we appreciate and so it. This, thank you. I mean, I, I'm really excited about it because I get to to talk, meet and talk with really cool people like you. So it it it's great, and we'll keep each other accountable, and and we'll. Uh, grow together and share in each other's success, and, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. Sounds awesome. Um, so, so the last question, I guess, we'll do, um, and and it'd be really cool if y'all had different answers for this. Um, what's it, one trend that you see coming um, in the next year or two that most people don't see yet? And it can be like tech related, not tech related, whether gross browser fits in or not, but a big trend, mm. Some, something well, that's really going to shake it up. Uh, God, I could, do you have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm not sure if our listeners will, but. <laughs> well, Johnny, I think, I think that when I think about the future, uh, you know, along with a lot of people, I'm, I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's just so much uncertainty right now. And sure. when you start to think about, um, you know, you think about how it affects every aspect of your life. Right. We just, um, Kat and I just bought a house. Congratulations. And, oh, thank you. And yeah, 40 years and I've never been settled enough to actually want to buy a house, but we just bought a house. That's awesome. And, 
um, you know, so we've got one mortgage that's fixed rate. Part of our mortgage is variable. And when you start thinking about what's happening at, at the national political level, mm-hmm. okay, what is the relationship between Donald Trump and um, the all of the, the banking executives that he's filling our government with? How is that going to affect sure. something like the mortgage that I just got? Right. And when you think about the fact that, um, you know, we have uh, our, our development team is based um, all around the world, but we have uh, our, our lead browser developers in Russia and our uh, lead web developers in Belarus. And I think that in a, and they're awesome. Um, But when you start to think about the kind of xenophobic America first, Mm -hmm. ignore the rest of the world and the, the lack of desire to participate in the global basically community. Yeah. It's, it's scary because you don't know how that's going to play out. And I think, you know, just in case somebody's listening to this months down the road, it's February 2nd, we're (laughs) about week three into Mm -hmm. um, a very uncertain presidency. And, you know, and I think that that's one of the things, one of the big trends is that we don't know how far this is going to go. And I think in, in every aspect of my life as an entrepreneur, as a husband, um, just as a citizen. Sure. You know, know. it's, it's pretty scary. So, so I think the, the trend is uncertainty in order to put in one word. And I think that we just all need to be paying attention, be paying really close attention to what's happening and not just what's being said. Right. So so that's my answer. How about you, Kat? Um, you know, kind of on the same vein, but in a different angle, uh, something that, you know, and, you know, sorry that I don't have a, a tech product answer for you, but, you know, Larry and I both felt very kind of all consumed about what's going on, um, in our country right now. And, sure. uh, you know, on a, the flip side to what Larry was saying, I have noticed, um, so many people just being in action and being very community focused and very, very positive and, you know, yeah feeling a little helpless on the national scale. And so saying, hey, you know, what can I do locally to get involved with my community to strengthen, you know, um, the relationships that I have in my community to take part in what is happening, you know, on a more micro scale um, in politics or just in a general community focus, right? Just with our neighbors and local businesses. And I just see so many people being moved to act. And I'm really That's inspired really cool. by it. And I just, you know, I I know that there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I just, I'm really trying to focus on the positive and I'm just seeing so yeah. much evidence for it everywhere on That's a local great. scale. Yeah, which is really great. So, you know, I think we're going to see a, a big trend towards people being very active locally because that's where they really can have a big impact and if anybody is listening that feels like they want to get involved i just encourage you to act locally because that's where you can have the biggest impact um so yeah that's that's the trend that i see people really taking action in their local you know local communities very cool yeah i'm i'm for a while there i was incredibly disheartened by how much negativity had populated my facebook feed yeah. Um, but I think that um, th- 
through all of this, we will eventually find a way to come together and, and be stronger and do better. And I think, you know, focusing on the, the positive things is, is really what's going to get us there. Totally. And, and, yep. uh, so I, I know that in, in for, for me personally, I've tried to, um, as part of my personal brand, I guess, um, and being positive all the time. Uh, on social media, so not, you know, posting negative, um, uh, you know, anything negative or hateful or, you know, fear or anger based, like just, just sticking to positives and, and yeah. trying, trying to uh, be supportive of, of other people in, in that positive. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Love yep. Will I, win. Agree. I think, <laughs> I think that's a really great way to go about it. Johnny, I think that's great. I've actually, uh, I've only been doing this for two days, but I decided two days ago that um, at the end of every day, I'm going to um, find something cool and share that on Facebook, something awesome. cool that's going on. So there was a, a video montage that I saw the other day about um, pandas are no longer an endangered species. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I know. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff. And I think it's interesting because the reactions to that post that I had made on Facebook were much stronger than the ones that I had seen with a lot of the stuff that actually focuses on politics. So, um, you know, I hope that when, you know, six months from now when we touch base again, yeah. I hope that we can look back and say, you know, that a lot of people are starting to take your approach and that, um, you know, that, that we are focused on positive it. And I think that this will definitely make us stronger. For sure, as a as a country. So, yeah, I look forward to revisiting that in six months. Yes, definitely. So, me too. Cool. Well, that's all. That's all we've got for for today. Thank y'all so much, Larry and Cat, for 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 being on the podcast and uh, and telling everybody about Ghost Browser. It's been awesome. Well, thank yeah, thank you so much for uh, giving us um, the space to do that. We we really appreciate it. And, Thanks and for your wish, opportunity, Johnny. Yeah, we, we really wish you the best it. of luck. Yeah, it was great chatting with you. Thank you. Likewise, um, and I'll have some some notes for everybody to, to where to go to download uh, Ghost Browser and uh, and everything from that. And um, is there you know like a preferred method for them to contact you? Anybody that listens to this and, and reaches that wants to like talk with you some more about about Ghost Browser? Yeah, um, support at ghostbrowser.com is a great way to do it. Cat and I. Um, are the first line of defense on all the support. And, you know, we plan on doing that for, for quite a while still because it's very important for helping us understand um, our product and our users. So, so yeah, support at ghostbrowser.com. You can definitely get to us that way. Very cool. I, I, I love that how accessible y'all are and um, that, you know, you're, you're taking that part of it very, very seriously and, and reading all those emails that come in. So there you have it, folks. You can get a hold of the, the co-founders of Ghost Browser and, and have your email and input, uh, your voice heard. That's pretty fantastic. All Great. right. Well, uh, thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And uh, that's, that's a wrap for our episode.